0: It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey, everyone. What's going on? That time again, as I am recording this, uh, just getting back from a long weekend where we went up for our annual trip that we've been doing for, I don't know, 15 or 16 years up to Cape Cod. Take the family up there, and you know, Maggie's got family up there, so we always end up staying with them. And for me, being from Florida and getting to see some of the, the beaches there, uh, especially a couple of them, are just so so much different than where I grew up on the west coast of Florida. So it's always, for me, it's always an awesome time to be up there and get a chance to see the family up there, have our kids, and, you know, our kids are getting older now, don't have any teenagers anymore. And I came across this, and we hear this all the time, you know, as parents, what is it we always want better for our kids than what we had or the what I saw the other day was I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford, and then I want to move in with them. <laughs> So it was, it, anyway, it was a great time. Weather couldn't have been more perfect every day. It was in uh, mid to high 80s. Only had a little bit of rain one day. So it really, really was uh, a good time. I just thought I'd throw that out there today. As uh, And actually, we made great time. We actually drove up there, driving up there, there and back. So anyway, today what I want to go over with you guys is invariably this comes up multiple times a year uh, in working with clients and the kind of the transition that happens or the discussions of transitioning into retirement and what that looks like. And what's really been happening a lot over the court. well, really, you know, for the last year, easy, probably a year and a half with COVID and hybrid work and all of that is the idea, can I can I actually retire early or semi-retire? And what does that look like? And I know I spoke about this last year, but what's happened uh, with some clients that we have just within the last two months is two very distinct differences on the opportunity either to scale back in time or completely retire as one client did. And now is being asked, hey, listen, we would love for you to come back and these are the this is what we're thinking about let us know what you know is this something that you'd be interested in and so today what I want to go over is understanding there there's a definite difference when you do that on how they are going to pay you and all the different things that you need to be thinking about with that being the case and I'm going to go over that today and then we also have another one still this is a big deal and that is uh this idea of buying and purchasing rental properties. And I just had a conversation with a client who has actually been looking at doing, well they, they already have a couple, but looking to do a unique way of acquiring rental properties and go over with you the conversation that I had with them just a couple weeks ago. So before we do that, let's make sure we deal with a disclaimer. <music> Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com, And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30-minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low key. Go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com. And schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. Okay, so let's jump into this. So what I want to go over right now is if you're in the position where you are considering or thinking about, can I look to scale back my current workload on where I'm working, or maybe I'm going to completely retire and look for other opportunities, reduce time commitment, and what does that look like, and what do I need to be thinking about and have a clear understanding on in two very distinct situations that we have happening right now. So in one case, I was speaking with a client and the idea came up, hey, listen, you know, what's the thought on me retiring? I don't really want to retire completely. I still want to have something to do. And I really like what I'm doing now. So what are your thoughts on what that would look like and so my immediate response was well have you sat down and talked with your current employer on if you did scale back one of the most important things that you want to consider is would you still be eligible for and they will continue to pay what they're paying right now for your health care so in this situation they said yeah you could scale back if I remember right you can go down to 28 hours You're still, we're still going to pay for, you can still contribute to the 401k. You're still going to be eligible for healthcare. And actually in doing that, going to be able to have a little bit more flexibility on the hours that are worked. Now, one thing that's very different with the person that actually we went through the same scenario, but in this case, Hey, listen, I am retiring completely from where I am currently working. And so did completely retired. Under the age of Medicare, so now healthcare is still important. Okay, what's what's going to happen there? In this case, they had retiree health benefits, which means as soon as they retire, they could instantly pick up that coverage, and then at the time Medicare comes around, they'll, that'll be another discussion, which is still about four years away. But what's being offered to the second person is more of an independent contractor role versus the first situation is just to scale back in time, staying with the same employer, and being paid under a W-2. So again, the first one scaling back in time still, by the way, isn't uh, of Medicare age. So we are looking at um, health care was very important. So we're gonna, they're gonna still be able to get that. They're also gonna be able to contribute to the 401k, and the differences between being a W-2 employee versus What's happening with um, client number two is that her original company is coming back and saying, hey, listen, we have some projects that we'd like for you to work on, but we're going to pay you as a 1099 contractor and what those differences look like. Again, healthcare for number two wasn't a big deal, but I'm going to talk about what if you are looking at becoming an independent contractor where healthcare is important and understanding where are you going to get healthcare? And what's going to be the cost? So the first thing to realize on one of the biggest differences between a W-2 employee and a 1099 independent contractor, which more than likely you're just doing what's called a Schedule C on your personal tax return, is you want to be aware of payroll taxes. So if you're W-2'd, you're paying half of the payroll taxes. Your employer on your behalf is paying the other half. That's a big deal. If you're a 1099 independent contractor, you are now responsible for both sides of payroll taxes federally. So that could be a big increase in your overall tax cost because if you've been a W-2 employee all your life, then unless you really look at it, most people don't realize the employer is picking up half of what is going into Social Security for you. But now being a 1099 contractor, I got to pick it all up. So that's one of the distinct things that I have discussed with other clients and this current one that is looking to possibly entertain what that opportunity looks like is you want to factor that in when you're negotiating how much you're going to get paid. You know, many times an independent contractor they they might still pay you hourly or by the project, but you want to factor in and quite frankly you can speak freely with them in my opinion like listen, I'm going to I'm going to be picking up another cost from a just a tax perspective that we need to address on how I'm going to get paid. Now, another thing to think about is with when it comes to the opportunity to still contribute to some type of a retirement plan, first employee W2, they're still going to qualify to be able to contribute up to the max. The it's at the company's discretion potentially depending on what their qualifications are, if they were giving a match, if you would still be eligible for a match. So that's something else that can be discussed in in looking to reduce your time that if you are still contributing, which I would recommend, is that are you, are you still able to take advantage of the match into that qualified retirement plan? Now, as a 1099 independent contractor, that money that you are receiving and is subject to the self-employment tax or the both sides of Social Security is earned income, you still are qualified to contribute into a qualified retirement plan, whether that is a traditional 401k, a traditional Roth 401k. You are going to have some earning issues that you want to be aware of there, depending on how much you're looking to have uh, as earned income. But then also potentially starting a solo 401k plan in the event you want to max out what your contributions could be. But the idea of a company match, unless it's your own money, because of how solo 401ks are are constructed, you're probably not going to be able to receive that from the company that is paying you as an independent contractor. Now, that being said, that still doesn't mean that that's not part of, if you are losing the match because you've retired and now you're an independent contractor, maybe that's part of your negotiation on how much you're gonna get paid for whatever, whether it's an hourly rate or whether it is by project that you would want to talk to them about and negotiate. But the biggest thing to understand about getting paid as an independent contractor, 1099 miscellaneous income ends up on a Schedule C, and W-2 is the increase automatically on the 1099 side on being responsible for both sides of payroll taxes. Because now, not only are you acting as an employee, you're acting as the owner or the employer. So, that is why you are responsible. You definitely want to pay attention. I remember speaking with a client last year and got notified at the last minute hey, listen, by the way, we're going to pay you 1099, and ended up needing to renegotiate some of the incentives and opportunities financially that they were offering because of that increase in cost. So those are you know, two things to really be aware of. Uh, I remember reading a story, I guess it was probably about two or three years ago, on when you become self-employed, these are the things you want to be aware of. It's an aut- potentially an automatic increase in cost, not only from a healthcare perspective, but a tax perspective. So just, just be aware of that. If you have any questions, reach out to us, speakwithmat.com, schedule a time to talk and I would actually recommend that, uh, I just thought about this, you know, from a, understanding the differences in tax, talk to your accountant and have them run the scenario if you're paid W-2 or if you're 1099. The other thing I just thought about with regards to 1099, you do have the opportunity to write off expenses against that. But this is where, are you going to have a lot of expenses that can be written off against that, that income on a 1099 return versus a W 2, you know, with the tax act back in went into effect in eighteen, the idea of employee expenses was drastically reduced on what you can deduct on your Schedule A. So again, just talk with your accountant, have him run the numbers both ways so you can see what that potential extra cost is gonna be. Okay. So let's jump into the next one. If I get it once a year, I get it twenty times a year, and that is the idea of buying real estate as an investment property. And one of the questions I got the other day specifically was I want to go ahead and start purchasing some rental property, but I still have a mortgage on my primary. Is that a good idea? So the first thing I would tell you, and so now I'm going to go over with you the discussion I had with some clients who already have some rental properties. Now in their case, they don't have uh, a mortgage on their primary, but what I was talking to them about is no different than what I said to the person about a primary versus buying new real estate. And that is, in my opinion, rental properties, when you are looking to purchase them, need to stand on their own as an asset. Now, in the event your primary mortgage has a stranglehold on your personal finances, in other words, is it a stretch? Are your house rich and cash poor? If if that's the scenario, you shouldn't be looking at real estate anyway. But in the event it's not, now we want to be looking at real estate standing on its own. And with what we've seen over the course of the last 2 years, even especially in the rental because the rental charges have escalated, but so ha- and a lot of that has to do with the rise in the value required or the purchase required for getting real estate. The other thing we want to be thinking about so not only have we had an increase in value on these rental properties, is in the event we are having an increase in charging rents, am I cash flow positive? And be under and looking at all of the different hidden costs that are that are there when factoring in a positive cash flow situation. You know, potentially you, you want to have money set aside for a rental, no different than personally an emergency fund, but now it's an emergency fund for rental A, let's say, because of hidden capital requirements that might be there a new roof, you know, maybe one tenant gets out, I got to come in, I got to repaint, new carpet, new flooring, what have you. Those type of things have to be considered. Taxes and insurance are there. The other thing is, if you have rentals, one of the things you might want to consider is making sure that you have addressed liability issues with maybe a um, an umbrella policy over and above the, the insurance that you have on the rentals along with your primary, we want to be looking at: Are you going to bring in a property management company that then is going to take a piece of your uh, your profits every month, your rent every month? You know. Now, some clients I have their goal in purchasing rental is long term capital appreciation. So, in their case, if they are cash flow positive ten dollars a year, they're happy, right? Others have looked at buying rentals as another source of disposable income and that's where cash flow positive cash flow becomes extremely important. And so you want to be looking at what is my goal in buying these rentals? Is my goal maybe it's both and then you have to judge, you know, what is more important, you know. The reality is if you're going to hold rentals for an extended period of time, you should see capital appreciation. Of course, we know markets go up and down and stuff, but, you know, but, and I would also look at in where you are looking to buy, which is what I address with the clients. What is the history of rents? You know, how long are you expecting to have a tenant? In other words, one of the things I always go over with a client who has a very large real estate portfolio is looking at overall, uh, occupancy rates within the rentals that's really important. Well, if you you know, if you're going into a new market or you're new into this, you want to be looking at the area you're buying, what can you expect for your rental income and what's it going to you know, what's it going to be? What's going to be the cost to get in to that rental property? And the other thing we have to be thinking about right now is interest rates are going up. They just went up last week. And in that, that can have a direct reflection on your ROI, your return on investment and where where are you with with positive cash flow because now your cost on the money to get into that property just increased. Right? So we have an increase in value, we also potentially have an increase in cost of the money to get into the property. So, you know, just be looking at that and be considering what is my motivation for getting into rentals? Yeah, I always bring up, you know, back in what was it, the uh, late 80s and early 2000, you know, hopefully you weren't up late at night watching little Carlton sheets. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not saying it can't be a great um, asset to own. In fact, we have numerous clients that have, you know, nice real estate income and portfolios. But you want to have a real understanding. First of all, it's not a get rich quick thing. It is a long term investment. And, be thinking about all the different expenses, what's going to be the cost on my capital to get in, how much capital is it going to take to get in, and then where do I fit cash flow, what's my goal, long-term capital appreciation, additional disposable income coming in from the rents is, uh, is really important to look at. But again, I would go back, is the idea of having a mortgage on your primary residence, I would say is not a reason not to consider purchasing rentals, but in the event that it is a stranglehold financially then that's when i would tell you it's not something to consider cuz the reality is the rental industry in and of or rental properties in and of itself can be a big capital exposure to get into and you want to be and, and ongoing and you just want to be aware of that so well, listen everyone that's all i've got for today again hopefully this has been valuable if you have a question or scenario that you would like for us to deal with, you can simply email us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com. You can go to smartmoneyquestions.com, ask Matt a question, put it right in there. If you would like to speak about your situation privately, reach out to us. Speakwithmatt.com is where you can go for my online calendar. All right, everyone. That's all I got for today. Everybody, take care.